We are in a sermon series entitled, The Fruit of the Spirit. Today's fruit is peace. You see it up there? What, what fruit is peace? An apple? Okay, um, I have a bone to pick with whoever did this because peace is an orange. I'll tell you about that later. <laughs> but our guiding verses are from Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I don't know about you, but every time I read that verse, I, the stress level in me starts to go down just with the description of the fruit of the Spirit. And I wonder in amazement at our God who gives us the good gift of his Spirit. Reading it reminds me of what God intends for me, for my life to have in it. And um, today, we come to the third of the nine, which is peace. Now, I was not looking forward to being the preacher who tackled peace, because the last time we talked about peace, which was just a month ago, there was a whole lot of unrest going on in me. And more often than not, whenever I, whatever I'm preaching on, I really have to preach to myself first. It's really uncanny. So the last time... Uh, I preached was on love, and guess who needed more love in her life and who needed to express more love? That would be me. So I was wondering, if, as I was thinking about peace coming up, I was wondering what was going to rob me of my peace in the week leading up to this sermon. Now that's an interesting phrase, rob me of my peace. And I like its implication for the followers of Jesus all along in this series, we've been saying that the fruit of the Spirit is what God grows in us as we abide in him. So rob me of my peace implies that I already have peace that belongs to me, that God has given me already peace. And then someone or something comes along and robs me of what is rightfully mine. And I very much like thinking that way about the fruit of the Spirit that the fruit rightfully belongs to us who are abiding in Christ Jesus. Now, last month, we looked at the passage where Jesus is given the title Prince of Peace. So we already know that the peace we are talking about comes from outside our, ourselves, from above. We know that lasting peace comes from Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. We know from Scripture that we can experience a peace that is beyond all understanding, which will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, so that in spite of the trials and temptations of life, beyond all the external circumstances, we can experience true peace. We already know that. Many of us have experienced God's peace in critical, difficult times of life. My goal for today is to look at peace at the ground level of daily living, at eye level, and experience at the experience level, and to think beyond the peace that we have from above with a question, what do we do with this peace that we have been given when conflict inevitably arises? 
We tend to think of war as being the opposite of peace, but there's a lot of conflict going on before it gets to the level of war. And our passage today is going to point out, suggest that envy, wanting something that we don't have, is one of those big drivers in conflict. So we're reading in James chapter 3, verse 13. Now notice that this passage will work just as well for gentleness. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is very much interconnected, making it hard to separate them. So verse 13 in chapter 3 of James, Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness born of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not be boastful and false to the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, devilish. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there will also be disorder and wickedness of every kind. Now, James is contrasting two different types of wisdom, the wisdom from above and the wisdom from below in this passage. So I want you to imagine in your mind's eye a situation in, that arises from unchecked bitter envy and selfish ambition where there is boastfulness and lying, where there is disorder and even wickedness. What scenes come to your mind? Where have you seen this happen? High school? Definitely. Politics. What? Politics. Politics. Sports. Sports. Mm. Okay, well, I thought someone would say politics. Here we have an image of a political scene that, you know, just this last month was played out in our context of, of the United States, and so I thought maybe you would naturally think of this. But James was not talking to politicians. To whom is he writing? If we turn back a page in our Bibles to the beginning of James, we find that he is writing to Jewish followers of Jesus dispersed through the whole world. Now he's talking to good, solid, religious folk who have been following God their whole life, whose culture is built upon following God, and who are now following the promised Messiah, these are not the ignorant Gentiles who used to follow other gods and are recent convicts to Jesus, and so they are disorganized and chaotic, and they don't know how to behave. Those Gentile people have to learn from the foundation up. But no, these Jewish people reading this letter from James are good people in whom faith in God was ingrained in childhood. He is talking to Christians who, in spite of their faith, in spite of being brought up in the church, in spite of knowing better, still struggle with a lack of peace. Now, this is a photo of a church, a very old ancient church, the Church of the Nativity. And the Armenian clergymen were throwing brooms at the Greek Orthodox clergymen during the annual cleaning of the Church of Nativity in Bethlehem Dozens of monks feuding over sacred space at the church battled each other with brooms until police had to intervene. 
the, the thing is, this, this church, ancient church, is shared by three congregations, three denominations, Roman Catholics, Armenian, and Greek Orthodox, and each group is supposed to clean their space. And this fight erupted between the Greek and the Armenian clergy with both sides accusing each other of cleaning their space. Because if you clean a, a space, you kind of claim the space. And in case we think this is ridiculous, in every single church I know, Bitter words and feelings often arise in disagreements about our space. The proper use of our space, what is or is not allowed in the sanctuary, the decoration of our space, the remodeling of our space. People of faith are very protective about sacred space. So feelings arise when we don't see eye to eye on our sacred space. James is talking to us. He is saying that bitter envy and selfish ambition, intrigue, strife, using power, taking sides, lying, that is nothing to be boastful about. Contrary to the values of the society around us, which glorifies those attributes, that is wisdom from below, James says, that's devilish wisdom. This applies to the entertainment industry the political industry, the media industry that feed off of drama, salaciousness, lies, disinformation. It applies to business, environments, workplaces, and it most certainly applies all the way up the ladder to the military where conflicts can actually lead to wars. What explains the war in Ukraine if not bitter envy and selfish ambition? There are a lot of industrial complexes that have built their empires on bitter envy and selfish ambition. And we can see the outworkings of this type of wisdom from below and outcomes that hurt real people. And we consume entertainment. We throw up our hands. We say it's the way things are, will always be, it will never change. We can see the outworking of devilish wisdom Oh, but we're not talking about them. See how quickly I start pointing at other people. We must bring it back to us. The temptation. Like what happened in this church, I wonder? This afternoon at 3. It must be a business meeting. The temptation to live by wisdom from below is felt by the selfishness that lives inside of us and among us. That makes me think the world revolves around me. It affects the way I think, the way I do things. This scripture pokes at our ingrained cultural assumption that we are being fed every day, that more is better, that we deserve to get all that we desire, that our identity is de derived from what we acquire, from what we possess, that the more we have, the more important we are, that to have less is to be less real, less worthy, less important. The wisdom from below teaches us that we lived in a closed system of limited resources and therefore we are fundamentally in competition with each other and I want to get my way. Where envy and selfishness exist, there follows a lack of peace as its natural outcome. So that first scene where we have firmly planted ourselves in our mind 
squarely in the middle of it, that first scene is starkly contrasted with a second scene that James wants to encourage us to move off that one and into the second place, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Now, when he said the wisdom from above, I'm like, oh yeah, I've got, I have some of this wisdom from above. He said it's first pure, really pure. I just fell off right there, disqualified from the get-go. I struggle with the word pure as being too high a bar. Are my motives, my thoughts, my actions ever completely pure? So I know that the standard from the beginning to measure up to the wisdom from above is impossibly high. Pure, and then he says peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. This is another list very much like the list in Galatians that we are studying of the fruit of the spirit. And this is our measuring stick for our behavior, for our words, for our actions. Run all of that through the grid of pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality and hypocrisy. And have you been yielded to the Holy Spirit so long that this has become your new normal? Or do you still struggle in this area? Are you following, falling short? So think back on the past week. This is at a practical daily living level. Think about those spaces where conflict arose or where it tends to arise because conflict is cyclical. And I wish we all lived in a conflict-free zone. And if you're there, whoo, praise the Lord. But such a thing does not exist for long, even in the church, because we are different and we disagree. So in those spaces of disagreement, we who have the gift of peace from the Prince of Peace are called to be peacemakers, and James is giving us the rubric to help us order ourselves on the inside in order to be peacemakers. Now, you cannot be responsible for the other person. They are just problematic. And James is not telling us to be a doormat. It is not peace when the loudest person or the person with the most power gets their way unchecked. That is not peace. It's not peace when injustice is allowed to rule, and it's not peace when all sides are not able to express themselves. So we are to be firm, we are to be assertive, but to also use the wisdom from above, which does feel impossible to us in our natural person. But it is not impossible for God, who can transform us individually, but also as a church, into a body that is pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without a trace of partiality or hypocrisy. Now, I wanted to 
visualize the fruit of the spirit piece as an orange. So I need two volunteers to help me out. I told the kids in the youth group they got first dibs. because I have gift cards to give away. So, who's coming? Morgan, you said you were going to come up here. Come on. Come on. Come on, Morgan. Who do you want to compete against? You want to compete against Taylor? Taylor, come up. Come on, Taylor. You don't have to say a word. Oh, wait. I am saying peace is an orange. Actually, Naya... Naya told me she wanted a Roblox gift card. She wanted to be able to compete for a Roblox, which I have right here, Naya. Naya missed out. Tell her. Or you can choose a Starbucks card, whichever one wins. Okay, so one of you come over here, and one of you is on that side of the... There we go. Let me put this. I don't know where to put this. Okay. All right, now all you have to do is be the first one... Okay, pieces and orange, remember what I was saying? Be the first one to put the orange back together again. Ready on your mark, get set, go! Go, 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 come on! Yes, Morgan, look at Morgan! Come on, she's gonna win you! This is your gift card, Taylor, it has your name on it! Morgan is going, come on, Taylor, yes! Oh, come on, come on now, Morgan! You have it almost, almost, almost! two ways of envisioning it one is coming together slowly one is like in stages building it I love the two different strategies oh oh she's gonna use the okay all right she's doing the whole come on Taylor don't give up don't give up you can do it come on now come on there she goes oh! yes yeah oh now oh now it done went apart again isn't that how peace goes? It went apart again. Oh, now she got to start on a different track. Isn't that how peacemaking goes? It's really hard to put things back together that have been torn apart. But she's got it. Okay, now, look, look, Taylor. Come on, just plunk it in there. Come on. You're going to beat your sister. Is that, what? Look, Taylor. Oh. Oh, did they tie? What? Look, look at Taylor. She got her hands. Taylor is done. <laughs> so how? How did she beat you, Morgan? Oh, that part is not staying on. Okay. Well, uh, here. Do you want what? What? What gift card do you want, Taylor? Roblox or Starbucks? Roblox. Do you want this one? Okay, I'll give you that one because you were practically tied, almost tied. The come from behind nature of that. It's very easy to pull an orange apart, isn't it? 
We don't need a knife. We can even just do it with our hands, bare hands. Or more commonly, we can pull peace apart with our out-of-control tongues, as James has been talking earlier in that chapter. It's easy to pull peace apart. It's harder to put it back together again. It takes more thinking to make peace. Did you see the strategizing of how best to do it from both parts? And they had different ideas of the pathways to take. It takes more creativity. It takes more figuring out. It takes definitely more prayer. Peacemaking requires much more yielding. Yay! Yielding! (laughs) Yielding. Peacemaking requires yielding even when we're on the right side, which we always are, of course. More gentleness and less roughness or harshness, more mercy and less judgment, more bending on our part, more putting ourselves in other people's shoes, more treating the other person I disagree with as valuable, and that person I disagree with with less prejudice. Peacemaking is hard. But we can't disconnect. We must engage in peace. The way we engage, the way that we engage has to be with wisdom from above. That's our rubric. That helps us organize ourselves internally. And as we're going through peacemaking, it organizes ourselves so that we can be peacemakers from above. Wisdom above sure doesn't make any sense, does it? It makes no sense in our natural way of thinking. More yielding. Why am I stuck on the yielding one? Doesn't make sense in our natural order. We who have been given God's peace as a gift, our part in this fruit is as the ones who put the orange back together. Here amongst ourselves, plenty of work to do right here and out there where peacemaking is desperately needed in the workplace, in schools, in the home. In the home, how our families need peacemakers. We reap what we sow. When we make peace, we are sowing in peace. And James tells us we will reap a harvest of righteousness. Or as Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will, no, not inherit the earth, that's the meek, not the kingdom of God, the meek inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God, because God is a peacemaking God. And if we want to be in his family... We gotta learn from our father, don't we? Knock knock. Orange. Aren't you glad God is a peacemaking God? Let's bow our heads. Well, God, there is a lot of uh I think just humbleness and repentance and coming to you as people who not only don't have the skills to make peace, because it's terrifically difficult, we don't have the strategies to make peace, but we don't even don't have the inner workings that we are asking of you today, that inner part 
of yieldedness, of gentleness, of less prejudice against the other person that we are in conflict with. A more bending on our part, Lord Jesus. We just pray, God, that as we go into situations in which we are to be peacemakers, that we would not give up in despair, that we would not shirk it, that we would not turn away, but that we would engage. And when we engage, I pray, God, that you would work on us, work on us, so that then we can engage in power as your children, children of a peacemaking God. Praise you, praise you, Lord Jesus, and transform us. In your name we pray, amen.